0: You're listening to a podcast from Meaning of Life TV. Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade. My guest today is Caitlin Tiffany. Uh, Caitlin, could you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hi. Um, I'm a tech reporter at The Goods, which is a new website on Vox.com. I guess it's a new sub-brand on Vox.com. And excited to be here. Yeah.
0: Uh, thanks for coming mm-hmm. on today. So, um, we're, ta- we're going to talk today about an article you wrote recently for Vox, um, which we'll link to below. The headline was, uh, the-, the homebody economy explained. Um, I wanted to talk to you about it cause I thought it was really interesting and also kind of resonated with, uh, things that I've noticed in my own life and, and in the culture at large. Um, so, uh, what, what is the homebody economy?
1: yeah um so this is actually my editor meredith's observation um she kind of was like yeah you know that thing where everyone's just like really into naps now um (laughs) and i was like yeah actually i know exactly what you're talking about um like i guess we started it from the entry point of something we talk about a lot in the piece which is like the namaste in bed t-shirts which is um obviously namaste in bed is completely a nonsense phrase It's not a thing, but it's on a lot of clothes and a lot of home goods, and um, obviously people are buying them because they love to namaste in bed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And then, of course, you have like the whole like girls night in concept, the whole Netflix binging phenomenon, Um, and we talked talked a little bit about like seamless alcohol delivery. Basically, the home body economy is all of the businesses and services and goods that exist in orbit around this person who does not like to leave their house.
0: Right. Um, and we'll talk about some of these specific things. Um, but first, uh, it seems like there's kind of a, are are you, there's explicitly kind of a gendered aspect to this and Mm -hmm. it seems like it's, this trend is happening more, uh, with millennial women than millennial men. Um, do you is that like how much more (laughs) is it happening with women like are, are there men who are doing this as well and do you have any thoughts about why that might be happening
1: yeah, sure. So, I don't know how to quantify exactly, you know, um, I think probably the numbers and the amount of time spent at home are similar for men and women, um, but the reason that marketers are trying it towards women, I would say, is because, like, the whole idea of a girl's night in is already, like, a pop cultural concept that people are familiar with. Um, for movies where there are sleepovers, you know, like the face mask, makeover montage, whatever, like, that's already a concept that exists. So, You don't have to invent it. You can just play into it. Uh Um, The other thing is that, like, for this piece, I spoke to Malcolm Harris, um, who's an author who wrote this book called Kids These Days, uh, The Making of Millennials. And he talked a lot about, um, I guess, how our generation, um, given, like, the vast difference between our productivity, which is going up and up, and the wage rate, which is staying the same, um our generation is increasingly like a generation that's being exploited. And a lot of this happens in labor that um, people associate more with, with being a woman. He called it like the feminization of labor. Like labor is more about the work of feelings than it ever has been previously. Um, so I think like the feminine, like the feminine nature of this phenomenon could have maybe something to do with that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and there's some interesting, a couple interesting quotes from um, uh, Malcolm Harris that I cut out to to mention on here. Um, so then, yeah, so there's there's kind of like, I guess a question is like, is is this because of what's happening in the larger economy? Is it because of what's happening in the larger society? Uh, is it te- is it technology has abetted this, or is has there been like? some sort of like change in values among young people versus versus older people. And a lot of these things are like, you know, tied together and intermixed and, and maybe you can not actually um, disentangle them. Um, but the quote, one of the quotes from Harris uh, was, uh, he says, I, I think it's basically just a happy face on declining living standards, like how we all supposedly love tiny houses. We don't love staying home. We're tired and anxious and alienated and have a historically low stock of free time in public common spaces.
1: Yeah. Um- I mean, like, I love that quote. (laughs) I loved talking to him. He was super smart. Um, But, yeah, I think that's, like, that's fair in a lot of ways. Um, People kind of, like, eye roll at millennials spending money on takeout. But, um, you know, previous generations were spending their money in, like, going to restaurants. Um, Millennials spend significantly less money on alcohol than baby boomers did. Um, Things like that. Like, going out is expensive. Staying in less expensive and glamorizing it in this way um is like useful so that you don't just feel like yeah i have no choice but to be here in my apartment Uh (laughs) i can barely afford and (laughs) and um and also i think like while all of these things kind of hint at like a lot of discretionary income i think probably there's something to be said about the fact that millennials know that for most of us, no matter what kind of saving we do, we're not going to be homeowners. Um, We're not going to like have all of this financial security that previous generations had. Um, And so, you know, I should, maybe I should spend $5 on a face mask. Maybe the earth is going to blow up before I need to worry about my savings account anyway. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So there's this part of it that's like, the world is crazy and the world sucks. I'm just going to stay inside and, you know, do something that makes myself feel better rather than (laughs) this, this like crazy, crazy outside world. Um, which, which is, is logical, I think. Um, so at the, um, at the top of the article, the, the, the the photograph is, um, three young women, uh, looking at their, they're, uh, sharing a bed together and they're in pajamas and they're looking at their smartphones and one of them maybe has a face mask on. Um, but I was thinking like, you know, uh, I, my wife and I have, if we have friends over, they, they stay on the couch. Like we don't all get into bed together. Yeah. And usually when it's, <laughs> when we're in bed, it's either just one of us or just two of us. So is this, is this like a social isolation thing? Like if, if it's not truly staying in, if you're having, if two of two of the three people are leaving their house to come to your house To put on pajamas and hang out in bed like that's not staying in for them that's like (laughs) an outside activity um yeah yeah, so is is this is this like just a different way of being social or is it more like people don't want to deal with face-to-face interactions they just want to stay by themselves they can use their phone to talk to whoever they want in the world and there's no reason to leave the house
1: yeah, I don't think that, like, staying home is, like, as you mentioned, like, you can invite people into your home. I don't think it's, like, inherently an anti social behavior. It's not about, like, removing yourself from people that you already know and like and care about. It's more like removing yourself from everything else, <laughs> like the bigger thing. I mean, I wish people would, like, come over and hang at my house more. It's, like, dirty and disgusting, and I basically live in squalor, so that's why they don't. <laughs> But like it would be so nice to not have to go and you go to a bar, there's like so much pressure to have fun. It's like, is everyone having fun? Is everyone like a cool and fun amount of drunk? Is everyone like vibing with this DJ? If you sit in your house, it's like I don't I don't feel like I need to be having the best time, but I'm having a perfectly acceptable time. <laughs> it's not like as much pressure, I guess.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's lowered it's accepting lowered expectations of <laughs> like yeah, this isn't gonna be like a night to remember, but we're just gonna be like, okay, we're all yeah. we're all fine here. Like, that's good enough. Good enough. <laughs> um. So, one of the one of the big activities is um, th- that you highlight in your article is uh, skincare and particularly face uh, face masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you describe what those are for people who maybe? I've never heard of them. I mean, they probably can intuit what face care is, but what what, what particularly like is this iteration of face care and uh, skincare and face masks?
1: Yeah, so face masks, particularly sheet masks, which um, are really easy to apply because they're usually just like, like I I'm not like a, a beauty writer, so I don't even really know how to describe the material, but it's like a thin textile <laughs> that's soaked in whatever, oils, um, serums, god only knows really um it started they were originally like very big in Korea and have come over to the the U.S. and also it expanded globally as just this thing that's like very easy to do skincare wise uh typically people aren't really looking for very very specific results from them um it's just kind of for the sensation of like putting something on your face and it sits there for a while and you're like enjoying the feeling of I have something on my face. <laughs> it's a luxury. I'm cleansing my pores to whatever extent that that's really even a thing. I don't know. I am not trying to skin skincare at all. I like 100% hate when people write takes about like, women are so stupid for believing in skincare. It's like, mind your own business. Now you own like an NFL jersey. But um, like, that's, I guess, the idea behind sheet masks and why they're so popular. It's, they're inexpensive. You can get them anywhere. Urban Outfitters, a CVS, like, whatever. Um, And it's relaxing. It's Mm -hmm. self-care.
0: Yeah, there was a piece that uh, appeared in the outline about six months ago that was, like, trying to be, like, the takedown of, of skincare, and that sparked a backlash People yeah. Are like you know, <laughs> just let me have this. I'm just doing it to help you know, feel a little bit better. Uh,
1: I also, mean, seems- skincare is scientific. Like sunscreen is skincare. So just to say that skincare is a scam broadly is just like a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. Anyway,
0: we don't have to uh, go off on this. Yeah, I think it's no. I, I, but I think it's interesting. It's like how did you know? I assume this arrived on the shores of the United States because people like saw uh, YouTube videos of Korean. Uh, women are applying skincare and started getting interested in what it was and reading and reading about it. And then they can order it, uh, very easily online, which is you know not something they could have done 20 years ago. Um, so there's like a, a technological, a technological side to this and like the changes in the economy have, have, um, made this something that is, uh, easier to do i mean there's there's like the so there's like the face mask which is inexpensive and then you can buy like more and more complex uh and expensive tinctures and solutions uh you know there's like uh snail slime or something and, mm-hmm. and i think no one really knows how effective these various things are but yeah it seems like at worst <laughs> at worst you're kind of wasting a little bit of money uh, and you know, but in a harmless way. Um, Mm -hmm. But but as as you note in the piece, if you put the face mask on, you're kind of like, that's your evening. It's like, you can't go, you can take it, you can take a selfie and post it on Facebook or Instagram of you wearing the face mask. And and it's funny because you look like, you know, the guy from the Halloween movies, Um, Uh (laughs) but you, you, you can't go out walking around with them. So you're kind of like committing to like a night in of just of self care. So that,
1: yeah, I mean a self mask or uh, sorry, a face mask usually takes like twenty minutes. But yeah, I d- I definitely think you're you're putting yourself in the position to be like, well, now here I am in bed. I will stay here.
0: Um, so yeah, so uh, speaking of beds, um, if people listen to pretty much any podcast out there, not this one, but pretty much any other podcast out there, they hear ads, um, for beds that will be that they can order online and will be mailed to them in a box. And then they take it out of the box and it like magically expands mm-hmm. and that's, that's their new bed. And so it's, they're a lot less expensive than, um than the you know, traditional bed that you would buy at a mattress store. Um, and yeah, the whole mattress economy is like complex and bizarre. There was an article within the last year. I can't remember where or who wrote it. That was about online recommendations for mattresses. Is this ring a bell?
1: Um, yeah, I know that it's like a very seedy world where there's like lots of shady, uh, journalism, journalism.
0: Yeah. There'd be like a a website that ostensibly was reviewing mattresses would actually get like a 10% cut of each mattress sold so that they had a strong advantage, a strong, um, reason to give a positive review to the mattress. And yeah, all sorts of shenanigans were happening. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess previously, mattresses—the mattress industry—had been pretty closed, and now these new people are coming in and uh, disrupting it, as they say. Um, And then, yeah, it's, it's like I, I'd rather stay in bed. Like I want a comfortable bed. I don't. know. I feel like people always wanted a comfortable bed. They probably didn't want a not comfor- comfortable bed. But there is this, like, you know, you're you're just deluged. If you if you're online, you're like deluged by mattress ads mm-hmm. uh, constantly. And I was just in a um, uh, West Elm store. And they have a partnership with Lisa, L-E-E-S-A, which is one of these online mattress startups. And, you know, you could buy, like, the bed frame at West Elm and get the Lisa mattress with it. So, you know, like, these companies are infiltrating uh, the regular uh, retail economy. Um, yeah, so <laughs> maybe i said too much, but what what do you think about, like, the actual bed s- side of this?
1: Yeah, so actually, um, speaking of, like, journalism, um When I spoke to Allswell, which is like the mattress slash bedding company um, that operates similar to what you're talking about, it's like the mattress in a box. Um, It was direct to consumer, was acquired by Walmart, I believe. Um, When I was speaking to them on the phone to the president, she like repeatedly offered told me that she was going to send me a free mattress. And I was like, please do not. Um, I cannot accept a free mattress. Um, like politely as I could at first, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that you like, you know, I'm not allowed to <laughs> take a free mattress from you. And then, um, she had somebody else follow up with an email and asked me where to send a free mattress. And I was like, please, please stop. Um <laughs> It was just like very bizarre. I mean, like people, a lot of times don't know, like journalists aren't supposed to take like food or drink or like smaller items. They don't know that. And that's fine. But like. Clearly, you're the president of a mattress company. You like, know that <laughs> you know, anyway. Yeah, um, is a,
0: is that, well, I'll, I'll hunt down the link to this article I mentioned and put it uh, below the video on this post. But yeah, it seems kind of like a Wild West sort of atmosphere of like anything goes, you know, and dirty tricks and <laughs> whatever, yeah. make a profit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like probably the fact that the mattress space is so competitive doesn't have a ton to do with like what we're talking about. It's probably just more like, um, you know, mattresses have historically been expensive. It actually was like a marketplace, that like a a space that could be quote unquote disrupted. And um, millennial, like I don't know, I wouldn't know how to how to pick out a good mattress. I don't I don't know where you pick up that life skill. So like, I would easily be like, oh yes, well this is the one I have seen. On the subway, this is the one I will
0: buy. It's not a yeah. It's as I've bought, I guess, two mattresses in my life. It's not a fun retail experience. It's be high pressure if you're like flat on your back and the salesperson, usually a salesman, is like kind of (laughs) hovering over you and say like, "What do you think of this?" And you're like, "It's kind of too hard." And then you like you do this twelve times and you're supposed to say like, "Oh, it was number seven that was the good one." So
1: (laughs) I can't imagine people might like people of my generation being enthused about interacting with a salesperson in that way, considering we don't even really want to like pick up the phone to order a pizza. Right. Okay.
0: <laughs> so that, That's a good transition to these apps that, um, uh, bring, uh, and food to your door. Um, uh, probably everyone is, is familiar with this at this, at this point, it's spread through uh, probably the entire country. Um, uh, one thing you know, or I think maybe this is another quote from Harris, um, is that, um, millennials are ordering from Postmates and millennials are delivering for Postmates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, it's a low wage, uh, job that I assume has no benefits and, uh, probably isn't great. Um, so this is like more of the on demand contingent economy that, like, Uber and other things like it have, yeah. uh, have helped, helped help pioneer.
1: Yeah, um, it was like, would have come off, I think, as like a, a tangent. To include it, but um, like I think the gig economy is kind of what Harris is talking about when he's saying like an increasing amount of the job market is like service work and work that requires um, like emotional labor, like presenting a good face, and um, that. Like, that is super clear, especially in apps like Uber and Lyft, where, like, you're literally rating someone on how much you like them based on, like, the six minutes you spend in their car. Um, So, yeah, like, there is, like, this weird tension between, like, we're being exploited and we're exploiting each other. Um, Gia Tolentino wrote this, like, amazing piece for The New Yorker about how the gig economy celebrates working yourself to death um, by basically boasting in like ads about, you know, like if you are if you're a real nonstop like hustler who's on your grind 487, like you could also be a task rabbit and like monetize every minute of your existence. Um so, like it makes sense to me, I guess. Like you're very exhausted from doing these like demanding things. Um you stay in your house. And, um, and then you order food from someone and the cycle continues, I guess. Um,
0: yeah. So uh, there, yeah, are these like two sides of the same coin that people who are working who are driving for Uber or doing delir- deliveries for Postmates or something are rushing around all day long and they don't, you know, they're not like if they need to go to the bathroom, it's not like that's get a 15 minute break or something. They're not paid for that time. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it generally sucks. And, um, and then they, uh, come home and, like, don't have the energy or desire to, uh, go hit the club. Um, but they just want to watch Netflix. Um, yeah, I, so, I mean, the, the entertainment, streaming entertainment, uh, probably, as, as everyone knows, has, has changed, um, you know, changed our, recreational habits a lot uh just in the past 10 years um when i was a teenager if you wanted to watch a movie you had to go to blockbuster um and of course blockbuster doesn't doesn't exist anymore um but now like basically every piece of uh you know created uh entertainment uh movie tv music is you know can be streamed to you, you directly uh for free or like a very low cost so that's you know. This is still, like, changing the the cultural landscape every day. And Netflix, you know, used to be, like, HBO was the place that won all the Emmys. And now it seems like Netflix is the place that wins all the Emmys. Uh, So this is, yeah, this is, like, still being sorted out. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it used to... Like, when Netflix... The the original iteration of Netflix, where they they sent you DVDs, um, like, definitely decreased my going out to movies um, because it was it would be like, well, should I see, like, does this really deserve being seen on the big screen for, you know, we're paying like $25 total and we have to go out and deal with people <laughs> or should we,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: or should we just wait uh, three months to, um, <laughs> to get it from Netflix on DVD? And I, I don't want to sound like a crotchety old guy, but I, the other thing I, I remember from my childhood was that it used to take a really long time for a movie to the the length of time between the movie le- left theaters and went on, uh, VHS or DVD was very long, like a year or more. And I remember uh, specifically that it was like a big event when, um, Jurassic park finally came out on VHS. Like it was like a year and a half. And we were, and I was in fourth grade at the time, and we were all like desperate to see Jurassic park again, but, uh, but it it like kept on not, you know, not showing up at blockbuster then, and then it finally did and it was like a celebration. Um, so that, that world has been totally like destroyed by (laughs) online streaming. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you th- and then th- just, we had this brief, um, uh, this past year, we had this brief period of total insanity uh, with um, movie pass, uh, which yeah. really got me and my wife going to movies way more than we ever had before. Um, and probably everyone has heard of this, but it gave you for 10 bucks a month, it gave you um, basically unlimited movies. And then it started in the business model seemed totally unsustainable. And then it started like, blacking out and saying you couldn't go see the popular movies and then they like totally switched the model around and now you can see like three movies for, for ten dollars a month but it was like this it was like this like brief uh xanadu of, of go of going out and and receiving entertainment that will like probably never <laughs> happen again um yeah so I, I don't know i don't know where we're with this but there's all these like experiments and changes and but 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 most of them, except for movie pass, most of them are, are encouraging you to to just stay at home.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I I don't know. I think like movie theaters. It seems like there's like a new crisis every year about ticket sales, but ultimately they're fine. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think like what's interesting about Netflix film model is that like they can make they have the money to make like weirder more challenging movies uh that couldn't necessarily be mass distributed in the U.S. like for example um Bong Joon-ho directed Okea uh, which was with Zelda Swinton and Jake Gyllenhaal my favorite person alive um <laughs> but it's like a Korean English film with like a weird plot uh it's like bizarre sci-fi like Um, but, like, also, like, young girl and her pet love story. Like, that movie would have never been shown in wide release in U.S. theaters. Um, And you can watch it in your house. So um, I think that's cool for, I mean, like, for people who don't live in, like, a major city, like, you don't have the choice to go out. Like, you don't have an art house cinema in your town. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean... Whatever, whatever floats your boat in that regard. I think it's like the whole like Netflix binging thing. I think is like slightly overstated <laughs> um, as far as like how much it affects anyone's social life. At least I hope that it is overstated. I don't know. I lost my dad's netflix password like four months ago and i just keep forgetting to ask for it and it has not affected my life in any meaningful way other than that, i haven't watched um to all the boys i loved before which is i have made me feel left out of cultural conversation which is something that i hate to feel but i don't know
0: well, you are classically millennial because you're borrowing a Netflix password from a parent, so that's <laughs> a millennial person to to report on this. Yeah, and um, to all the boys, I love them for is it, it's worth watching. Um, Get that
1: well. password back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, how do you see how do you see social media interacting with this? Like, it seems to me, you know, like uh, the one story about Instagram is that it's encouraging people to like go out and have experiences that can be immortalized and look really cool. Like these, like the museum of ice cream stuff, maybe that experience isn't that cool, but it looks cool. Or Mm -hmm. like, you know, do like a yoga pose in front of the sunset, that kind of stuff. Um, But then like, it's also like, like I said, if you take a photo of yourself wearing a face mask, you know, it's funny. And I think uh, like, you know, famous people like the Kardashians do this kind of stuff as well now. So it's been like, and you know, it's, it's been endorsed. Uh, by the, the uh, famous and powerful. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas before, if you were staying in, maybe you know, twenty years ago, if you were staying in, maybe you would um, talk to a friend on the phone or something, or but maybe it would be just a, to- a totally isolated experience. Now you can take a selfie of yourself um, in a face mask, and you note that some some uh, fashion brand or something uh, did a photo shoot of like models in you know, kind of lounging around in bed wearing pajamas and seemingly having having a good time.
1: So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I had a former coworker who had um a pretty like aggressive vendetta against this genre of photography that she called bathstagrams, which <laughs> is like women photographing themselves in the bath. Um which she mostly had an issue with when it was like the angle was, like, clearly there's somebody in the bathroom with you, like, you called someone into the bathroom to take that photo, that's weird, um, I mean, whatever, again, whatever goes your boat, (laughs) but, um, I guess I think, like, the point is that, um, yeah, with Instagram, like, you can still, like, human ingenuity means that we can come up with ways to turn everything we are doing into content, including just, like, washing ourselves. Um <laughs> and also I think like um I think like Instagram stories for example where people are like on a saturday night like putting up posts of them like watching real housewives or like reading or like making a plum tart. I find those like really comforting. Um I think like it's kind of like made the whole like nobody invited me to do anything tonight so this is what I'm doing um being like less weird um mm-hmm. everyone's like yep yeah, that was me last saturday it happened
0: <laughs> <laughs> um do you want to br- briefly just describe the uh lena dunham uh t- lenny letter trip contest which i thought was really funny
1: oh yeah so lenny letter <laughs> um somebody forwarded this to me because i do not subscribe to lenny letter anymore um <laughs> but Lenny letters run by lena dunham and her producing partner jenny connor and it's basically just like some essays that are usually written by like a prestigious writer and then um you know like all the spawn con stuff so in one of the recent ones they had like they were giving away a trip where you would win a trip to mexico and then like a girl's night in kit so that you would like go to mexico with your friend it specifically said bff so not a romantic partner um and, and they would give you like some new underwear and some vibrators and like candles i think um to use in your hotel room in mexico which like i mean it doesn't sound unfun but it's also like why uh i don't know <laughs> Just, i mean again, again can't say enough whatever floats your boat um across the board I maybe wouldn't spend my money on airfare to Mexico if I were just going to sit in a hotel room and masturbate. But
0: whatever. yeah, there's something just, something like dystopian or like black mirror-ish about it. Like you're going, you know, <laughs> taking like a four-hour plane flight or whatever, and going to a different country, and then you're just going to sit on your bed and masturbate. And it's, <laughs> you can like imagine the black mirror montage of like the woman like masturbating in different hotel rooms all around, all around the world when she
1: yeah travels to
0: places <laughs> that doesn't actually leave the hotel room. Um, so is the, is there, what is the male equivalent of this? Is it just like playing video games?
1: I don't know. I mean, boys stay home. They play, yeah, they play Fortnite. They play poker, right? I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't or... and I'm also not friends with boys. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm trying to think of what. When I, the one time that I lived with a boy, which was like a friend from college, he mostly just watched BoJack Horseman on an iPad and like played a guitar. (laughs) Um, That's what most boys do.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems like the, maybe there's limited options, uh, for in our gendered world and, um, uh, at least in this sector, the the women have more, more consumer options in, in this sector, I, I suppose. Um. Did you? So you mentioned this book. Um, the author's name is Otessa Mashfeg or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Did you read that book or did, did, did you just? Because I just read the, I think I read the Gia Tolosino you know, review and I was like, oh, maybe if I see this at the library, I'll read it. But it, it's very pertinent to this. Um,
1: yeah, to this I did read it. Um, I love Gia and I loved her review. I don't know her personally. When I say <laughs> I love her, I mean it. Like,
0: <laughs> oh, she's great. I think she's one of the best cultural like, anyway. critics out there.
1: Um, yeah, I did read it. Um, it's really good. It can be like,
0: it's called my, my year of rest and relaxation.
1: Yeah. It's about a woman. Um, it's the year it's 2000 in New York city. And she decides that she's going to like medicate herself with this like combination of Real drugs and fake drugs um that the author made up, so that she spends like only one hour awake a day and basically she'll just like she just goes down to the bodega and like buys like coffee and ice cream and some other things I can't even really remember um yeah it there's like stages of it. she is asleep for most of the book um which is an interesting way to write a novel, but um yeah, I mean, it's it's relevant insofar as, like, the narrator is kind of reacting to this culture that she finds noxious, like which is personified in her best friend um, in the book, who's very, like, social climbing and interested in money and in, like, clothes that say something about her class um, and, like, attainment. Um, she's, like, definitely the type of person who's always – literally on a treadmill and like metaphorically on a treadmill so um like this narrator is basically going to sleep to remove herself from this culture that she finds like grotesque and worthless um so it seemed like relevant enough <laughs> i guess yeah for
0: um yeah i want to check that book out my wife recently read one of her short story collections. Um, and yeah, it did, it does seem like very of of the moment. Um, yeah. you no, know, I was just thinking like, you know, like che- like checking out, you know, there's, there's like an American tradition of like checking out and going to the wilderness and going to Walden pond or going on the road or something. And that's kind of part of, part of our cultural heritage. Mm-hmm. And I, do you, is this, is there, like, is there part of this that's related to that of just being like, I mean, you're removing yourself from society, but you're still, you still have social media, you're, you, you still have Netflix, and, uh, you're, you're not, you know, you're not going to live in a hut in the woods.
1: Yeah. As far as like solitude as an on the road type narrative, I feel like maybe that time on the internet has passed. I would have said that about, like, if I were staying home, staying up at, all night on Tumblr in 2011, I'd be like, hell yeah, I am learning everything. I am creating culture. Now, if I'm, like, at home and looking at the internet, I'm probably looking at Twitter and I'm like, this is a nightmare. Why don't we do this to ourselves? Um, yeah, I don't know if I stay home for self-discovery. Although, like, I don't know, gives you time to journal, I guess. Just journaling seems healthy. It seems fine. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, um, uh, mindfulness meditation is also something that's becoming more popular and some of it is the popularity is being spread via, yeah. uh, apps like Headspace. Um, and that's also a, you know, you're withdrawing, <laughs> you're, you're withdrawing from everyone else for a, a brief period of time. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so maybe that, maybe that, maybe that uh, factors in. Um, is there anything else you want to mention before we stop?
1: I don't think so. I think we pretty much like, ran through it all i don't know i hope people read the um malcolm harris book because it was really great um in the otessa book although she's like she gave this interview to new york magazine where she was basically said like yeah i'm i conned everyone i'm barely even trying i just am not good (laughs) which is like cool but also like i was like okay well You got me too. I'm a sucker. What do you want?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I missed that. That's interesting. I'll have to check that out. Um, Okay. So uh, if people are interested in seeing more of your writing, where can they find it?
1: Oh, um, at box.com backslash the hyphen goods. Um, And you can also read all of the other things that coworkers are writing about money and how you spend it. Why it matters. I think that's the tagline. (laughs) But okay. it's also true, <laughs> accurate.
0: <laughs> and, and you're on Twitter. Uh, do you want to share your Twitter? Handle? Oh, yeah.
1: Um, I'm at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany.
0: Okay, cool. So check that out. Um, uh, thank you, Caitlin, for coming on and discussing your article, which will be linked to below along with all the other stuff uh, we mentioned. Um, definitely check it out if you enjoyed this conversation. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners and viewers, and we'll see you next time. Before you go, a quick message from the suits at Meaning of Life TV. Meaning of Life will always be free for you to watch and listen to, and we don't even go the NPR route of guilting you into donating during Pledge Week. But we do have a small request. If you enjoy Meaning of Life programming, rate and review us on iTunes. The iTunes algorithm weighs positive reviews heavily, so taking a few minutes to rate and review us will help more people find out about our shows. Also, of course, we encourage you to subscribe to our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Thank you.